Farm Focus, a podcast by the Pennsylvania Farm Bureau. I'm William Whistler. June is dairy month, so this week I spoke with Katie Dodderer about her experiences as a dairy farmer as well as an advocate in the dairy industry. Joined this week on the Farm Focus podcast by Katie Dodderer. Katie, if you could talk a little bit about Advocate and you know, if you could just first start out by introducing yourself and uh, tell our listeners a little bit about your background as a dairy farmer. Sure. My name is Katie Daughter, and I was born and raised in central Pennsylvania in Clinton County. Um, I, ha- I was raised on my family dairy farm and as a part of the third generation and um, thought that's what I was going to do for the rest of my life. But one of my favorite quotes is, if you want to hear God laugh, tell him your plans. So um, I was all set to be, you know, part of the third generation um, to take over the farm, but then I left in 2009 to start and co-own my own dairy, so thus becoming a first-generation dairy farmer. And so for 12 years, um, I co-owned my own dairy and made that transition. So then this last year, I went through quite quite a transition, so I no longer have my own dairy farm. I'm very blessed to still have my family dairy, although I'm not there full time. Um, I'm just very, very fortunate to still have it in my life so that, you know, if I want, need a cow fix, I I can get that. And I also just try to help out whenever I'm up there, wherever I'm needed. Um, So now I started my, this is like my fifth business I started, but it's one of my newest and very excited about it. It's Agvocate. So it's A-G-V-O-K-A-T-E. It's obviously a play on my name and being an advocate for agriculture. Um, I recognized the need a long time ago that um, we really need to share our story because we have a powerful one to tell. And so I established Advocate LLC, actually, goodness, when like I got the official paperwork in December, this last December. So. Yeah, just a little bit about that is half of it is advocating for agriculture. So I work on contract with um, different companies, usually public relation companies in agriculture. And so that can be things like media appearances, um, you know, hosting different things on behalf of farmers. And then another part of Advocate is my public speaking. I do, I speak to um, either ag audiences or non-ag audiences about, and I have a range of topics that I, I speak on. And the other big portion of Advocate is my online Spanish classes. So I saw a need in the industry, um, my goodness, back when I was actually still on my family farm. We had just started employing or adding to the, the farm team Spanish speakers to help us get the work done every day because it was hard to find anybody. And so these, I just have a huge place in my heart for the Hispanic community. They They... Make up Spanish speakers make up 80% of our workforce in agriculture. So uh, in my opinion, I think it's important to meet them halfway and at least try to learn some of their language. I'm not, you know, telling people you have to be fluent at all, but it's, it's respect and it goes a long way. So I teach online Spanish classes to the ag community and um, I do two levels. I do a beginners and intermediate and my students are all adults and they are from coast to coast. They are farmers, they are veterinarians, pharmaceutical reps, nutritionists. So they're online and they're live, but they're also recorded because I have, of course, I can't accommodate every single time zone across the nation. So that, and I, that's, it's tailored for dairy right now. So when I say that, um, I do have other people from other sectors right now taking the course, 
but the vocab is tailored specifically for agriculture. So your first vocab list is, you know, you're learning how to say cow, heifer, gate. Um, I have a lot of equine people taking it as well. And I just, I think one of the most exciting things this year is I just got a grant uh, from the Center for Poultry and Livestock Excellence to dive into and build curriculum for the poultry and swine industry. So I'm really, really excited to see where that goes. And I'm just excited to explore some other sectors of agriculture because I've been dairy my entire life. So it's been really cool meeting meeting new people and learning new things. Very cool. Uh, a wide range of things that you're able to touch on there and obviously very beneficial things and things that people don't often think about outside of agriculture. And, you know, Spanish speaking is a big thing as you as you hinted on and just just to be able to provide those services is really is really big and you know coming from from a dairy background uh, what was kind of what was kind of like the size of your operation and i know you said you were in clinton county but what was that uh what was that like growing up on the on the family farm and then you know your own farm as well so my family farm when i left they we were milking about 700 cows and right now like as of june of 2022 they're milking about 1200 cows uh farming about 3200 acres so it's a it's a very progressive operation i'm very very proud of my family dairy they're just very progressive they're always um always been like out of the box thinkers and i feel like every time i go home there's there's a new project underway and that can be you know really anything and so I'm just always impressed, and um, we actually just had a big open house this last week, opened the barn doors to the public, which I was in my element because I just love talking to people about agriculture. So that's the size of, of that. And, you know, well, I'll just speak real quick, too, because it's the comparison of the two. So on my own farm, I started <laughs> the, at, at the age of 23, when most of my friends were getting loans to buy houses, I was getting a loan to buy cows. So um, I got a $350,000 loan to buy 90 cows. And over the years that expanded into, we were milking about 420 cows. And so I had about a total of 800 with all young stock and everything. So that might sound big to some, but you know, when you're used to a large dairy, like I grew up on, and then, you know, I, I do remember starting with just those 90 cows and I'm like, oh man, this is, this is a completely different ball game. So I feel very um, fortunate to be have been able to experience both being a third generation and a first generation farmer. And then also, you know, with the different size of hers, because it is a very different, um, I keep saying just a different ball game. And, you know, with first generation, you no longer have that family support there, you know, that a, a family farm has, and you don't have the established equity. So first generation farming is definitely not for the faint of heart. Did I answer your question on that one? Yeah, I, I think that's a, you know, that's a really unique perspective that you have where you can kind of touch on, you know, the common, maybe not necessarily the common, but the more thought of approach of being a second or a third or a fourth generation of a farm like that. And then also the challenges of getting started. Uh, you know, that was something that I would like to touch on at some point here, but, you know, just what are some of those challenges as far as as you know, what would you kind of say to someone being interested in getting into into dairy farming? Don't no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's dairy is a tough industry, and unfortunately, um, you know, with the amount of farms that we're losing every year, it's it's really sad. And so, I mean, if you want to get into dairy, I had just actually just had some really close friends of mine just start a dairy like last week, and you know, I wish them the best of luck. I think they'll do just fine. 
but I guess my advice for somebody to go into it is you've got to really love it. You know, one of the things that I tell a lot of non-ag people is farming, and we, we know this as farmers, but farming is not a job, it's a lifestyle. And you've really got to ask yourself, are you going to be okay with living that lifestyle? Because if I'm being completely honest, when I was a first generation farmer, there was a lot of time, a lot of days, a lot of days, especially when milk price would tank, which was the majority of <laughs> the time I was a first generation farmer. That I question, do I do I want to do this? Because you know, you you see your peers, that other ninety eight percent, go do fun things, and they have a flexible schedule, and you know, you're anchored by that farm. So just really ask yourself if this is what you want to do, and. And if it's not, that's completely okay. There are so many other ways to be involved in dairy or in agriculture as a whole. Um, I always said that if I couldn't be a dairy farmer, I wanted to be helping dairy farmers. And I, that's, I feel like that's what I'm doing. I'm doing now. Yeah. And with that, you know, you have the idea of farmers being such a small part of the population anymore. Uh, is that why you feel it's so important for, your, for yourself to be advocating for agriculture? And, you know, how do you feel about finding that need to advocate for for agriculture so that people truly understand where their food comes from. Absolutely. So it's on the ad, on the advocating part. You know, we were always told by industry professionals, tell your story, tell your story. And, you know, as farmers, we just kind of put that off to the side. We're like, we don't have time because, you know, we have a dairy farm to run. But I like to remind farmers that we don't farm like we used to. You know, we don't farm like our our grandfathers used to back in the 50s or whenever we can't continue to do business and market the way that we've been also since that time and so yeah i mean it's i know we sound like a broken record to say get out there and share your story but even you don't have to go full on you know and build these social media sites that i've done and do this or do that it's as simple as having a conversation it is simple as you know maybe you're out in public somewhere obviously off the farm and you just strike up a conversation with somebody everybody because farmers are, are such a small population a lot of people don't know a farmer um i i love if i could just share this this fun story i was on an airplane gosh i'm gonna say five six years ago and uh i was working for dairy marketing at the time and i sat beside this gentleman and we just struck up a, a conversation. I also try to wear like, well, I didn't have it then, but I have merchandise that says my, my infamous hashtag that says ask farmers, not Google. And, um, anyway, I had something on where he, you know, asked me about it. Anyway, this guy ended up being a mechanical engineer from Chicago. So city boy didn't know anything about agriculture was not super familiar with, with farming. And so it was like a three hour flight. And we had the best conversation. He, he was, as a mechanical engineer, like, right, he's he's up on technology. He's about my generation, millennial. And um, he was just floored with the technology that we have. And so we exchanged social media information and whatnot. And to this day, we are still in touch with each other. He'll, he'll reach, reach out and say, hey, Katie, I saw this headline about, you know, I don't know, animal welfare or milk price or whatever. And he was like, what's your take on it? So I, and I joke, I'm like, have I become your resident dairy farmer? He's like, yeah, you pretty much have. So, <laughs> you know, if, if we can make connections like that, because, you know, his whole family is, is removed from agriculture. So he shares the information that, you know, we, we talk about or discuss and shares it. And it's just, it's kind of a ripple effect. So yeah, it is super important. And I will always be passionate about it because that, I mean, consumption of our products is how farms keep going 
Yeah, and that's very cool, and it is important because people really do need to understand where their food comes from and the production side of things because, you know, a lot of people, they go to the supermarket and they're so far removed from, you know, the actual production anymore, so it's definitely good to have that education, and June is dairy month, so you talked a little bit about it, but just what does dairy farming mean to you from from the aspect of, you know, your family and everything and, and getting to stay in dairy farming? Dairy farming to me is, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is heritage, and it's my childhood. I could have not asked for a better childhood when, and I'm not just, just talking about the idyllic, because I think when people, you know, the general public thinks of farming, it's wicker baskets and floating around in wheat fields, and <laughs> and what it is, it's a lot of hard work. Um, you learn a work ethic at a very young age. So dairy farming to me, it's heritage, it's work ethic, it's appreciating the little things. It really is. And to this day, I still find pleasure in the little things. I, there's, I don't need a lot to keep me happy. I don't live an extravagant lifestyle. And it's really more of a simple life. And if any of my friends are listening to this, they're going to laugh because they know that I do like nice things. But it, I don't know, just go back to the dairy farming thing with your roots. It's a family, it's a family business, 90 7% of all farms are still family owned in this country, which I think is amazing. And I wish more people knew that because even, you know, the size of my family dairy, people want to point fingers and say, oh, it's a factory farm. Oh, it's big ag. And what they don't understand is no, it's, it's big for a reason. There's three generations that are support and they're also supporting 40 different families of their team members that they employ every day. So yeah, it's, it's dairy and agriculture as a whole is, is a very tight community and um, one I'm, I'm proud to be a part of. And your experiences, you know, these past few years obviously have been very trying in a lot of different ways, but especially in the dairy industry and in agriculture in general. How did your family, you know, face any challenges in the industry with the pandemic? And, you know, what, what maybe were some of those challenges that you faced uh, recently, whether it's things with supply chain or anything that have affected you? I can't speak really for my family as I'm not there every day. Um, I just know that they are they're very smart business people. They have a sharp pencil. Um, on my dairy, we did what we call um, risk management. Risk management, where you can lock in a milk price and, and play that game. So that had helped. Um, the supply chain, you really can't do anything about, you know, once, once that milk leaves the farm, it's out of your hand, it's out of your control. Now I will say, um, just another fun little story about the advocating part. When farms were being forced to dump milk, obviously that, that made the news. And on my Facebook page, I have like, I don't know, 12,000 followers. I woke up the next morning to some kind of not very nice messages from people. And they were like, Katie, why are farmers being so selfish? Why are they dumping this milk? Why can't you just bring the milk to a food bank? And I'm like, oh my word, you guys have no clue the processes that milk has to go through before it even gets to the store. And it's actually a pretty cool story. And you know, I was also finding that farmers didn't really understand either. So what I did was I'm like, the teacher in me was, okay, we, well, I need to, I need to do something here to educate the masses. So I had borrowed a toy milk truck from my neighbor and I laid out on a big table. I filmed it. It was, I think, a Facebook Live video. And I just kind of went through the process of when the milk leaves the farm. And, you know, I talked about things like homogenization, uh, pasteurization, the process of the milk has to go, like, you can't just take this milk to a food bank, people, you know, and people had no clue. And so 
the comments that I got from that was just insane. It was, and I also did my homework. Um, we'd ship milk to Land Lakes. And so I had called them and, uh, cause I wanted to understand myself. I'm not one of those people that's going to, you know, blast something on social if I don't know what the heck I'm talking about. And so I got a hold of Land Lakes and I'm like, Hey, is there anybody I can talk to in, in supply chain management? Side note, I took that class in college and I hated it. So, <laughs> um, it was just boring to me. But I learned a lot that day. They actually put me in touch with the uh, senior vice president. And bless his heart, he gave me an hour out of his day. I think it was on a Saturday just to, you know, walk me through and educate me first on how the supply chain worked and what was happening during the pandemic. So I was able to break that down into like easier terms for my followers to understand. And it was crazy because it almost, it became an economics lesson too. So I had both, you know, farmers and non-ag people learning so much from that. And so that's why the advocating thing is, is super important to me because sometimes I think we overlook some of the simplest things that need to be explained. Yeah, and, there, and that's a really good example of just that disconnect between farmers and sometimes the consumer. There's just... There's so much that goes into it that people truly do need to understand to fully be aware of, you know, what's important as far as getting their food and keeping the supply moving. And and it, like you said, there's so much so much that goes into that once that process has started. And you've you've talked about it a little bit in your introduction, but if you can explain a little bit about what Advocate is and you know some of those you know some of those programs you have with it. Yep. So again, Advocate is um, it's it's advocating for agriculture. So that's when I say working on contract, that can be with a big PR company, but it can also be with, you know, a smaller organization. And I've worked a lot with some organizations right here in Pennsylvania. Um, I actually, I am, I live in Gettysburg and I love to travel. So uh, any opportunity that I get again to, to advocate is I rarely turn down. So it, it's that, it's my public speaking. Um, again, I talk to ag audiences, non-ag audiences, depending on the topic I'm asked to cover. And then the big portion is my Spanish classes. And so again, those are online and recorded specifically for dairy right now, but I'm, uh, my goal is to release my first poultry class in the fall. They are eight weeks. And if you want to learn more about this, uh, it's, you just go to advocate.com. That's my website. You'll, you'll find everything there. And then I'm also working on English as a second language. I'm also certified in ESL. And so right now I do tutor five gentlemen that work on a hog farm. They are fantastic. It's like the, my favorite 90 minutes of the week, teaching them English. So the whole language barrier is a fun challenge for me to help bridge that divide. And I just love that, you know, especially the people too that are signing up for Spanish courses, they're, they're showing, hey, we, we recognize the need to respect, you know, the people that are here to help us do this work. and. So that's another big part. I feel like I'm forgetting something. I, I just I have so much going on at one time. I love it. It's just sometimes it's hard for me to keep track. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a wide variety of things that you're doing there, and it's all very important and very cool stuff. Um, and you had talked about, you know, your idea kind of came from just kind of seeing that need through growing up on the farm. Uh, was it difficult to get started? Like, was this a was this a hard process that you were able to? to, you know, go out on your own and, and start this business. Uh, and you're talking Agrocate? Yes, yeah. 
I don't, it wasn't, I mean, it was more scary than anything, right? Like I have a speech actually titled uh, Silos and Silver Linings, and I talk a lot about how we are resistant to change, but another part of growing up as my, my dad's daughter, we were at a very early age instilled with the saying, nothing is more constant than change. And I think he did that, be, and it's still, I mean, he still reminds us of that very often. And I think he did that because dad encountered, I mean, him and my uncle, both as a second generation, encountered so much change, you know, as they were growing the farm. And I, dad wanted us as kids to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Like when that change comes at you, don't let it paralyze you. Don't let it, um, you know, because our, our natural reaction as humans is to hate change. And so I had been through a lot of change this last year. And I, I know my parents thought I was crazy because I was teaching full time um, in a public high school. And I was teaching business management classes and Spanish. And I liked it, but I knew it wasn't for me you know, for the next 30 some years. And my heart has always been in agriculture and I knew I wanted to get back there. So to answer your question, was it hard? Mm, not really, it was more scary than anything, but I'm so glad I took that leap because I told myself, okay, if I fail, I fail. If I succeed, I succeed. You know, people fail all the time. I have failed in the past and you just get back up and, and you keep going. So I think it, it's like just that big leap of faith to take there's something else I was going to say about that. I just, I knew there was a need for it. And whether, so the Spanish classes actually had been a side hustle of mine for like three years. And to take that mainstream, I was like, oh boy, am I going to be able to, you know, to, to pay my rent? Am I going to be able to pay my bills by doing this? But um, again, I just, I knew that if, if it failed, that I, I could apply my skills and experience elsewhere. But so far, I haven't had to do that. <laughs> yeah, very cool. I, and you touched on a lot of things there. And one of the more important ones is the ability to adapt. And obviously, that's a big, big thing for farming and just in life in general. But are there any with that and that change, are there any trends in the industry that you've kind of noticed of late in dairy? Obviously, you touched a little bit earlier on the fact that uh, dairy farms have been disappearing over the years. But what do you've, have you seen as far as uh, trends in the industry? As far as trends, one of the big ones is you you can't just be a dairy farmer anymore. You have to be a business person. I know people are going to hate me for saying that, but I don't really care. It's I, I, In my opinion, it's, it's very true. You can't just, you know, be good at taking care of cows and crops and expect to be in business, you know, 10 years down the road. You also have to understand the markets. You have to understand what is your cost of production. It literally blows my mind the amount of people that do not know their cost of production. And it's like, how, how do you, I don't understand how people run a business like that. Um, and maybe it's working for them. If so, great. But I guess I have always been used to knowing the numbers down to like, you know, a few cents of what is it costing me to feed it, to feed a cow per day? What is it costing me to, you know, do X, Y, Z. And it's the same with my business right now. Um, anyway, I don't, I won't go into that. Another trend is technology. We've always been, I feel, early adapters of technology in, in the dairy industry. And I just see that continuing and I see that progressing. And I just, my hope for the dairy industry is that people keep an open mind. They keep an open mind to what this technology can do for them, can do for their farm, can do for their families. Um, because I think, 
you know, if we, again, it comes back to nothing is more constant than change. And if you have the motto, well, we've always done it this way, you're not going to get very far. Yeah, very true. And a lot of, you know, insightful things there. Um, as far as where, you know, the future of this lies, uh, what are your thoughts on where the industry is kind of headed? Whether, you know, that's uh, some more changes in practice or even more technological advancements? Like, where do you kind of see that going? I have no idea. Your guess is <laughs> as good as mine. Um, I'm, usually, I'm, very, I'm an optimistic person, but with the amount of dairy farms that have been going out of business, it's very discouraging. And I just hope that, you know, with my previous spiel there on technology, that that helps save some farms from, from selling. But I also, you know, on the other note of that is, again, farming's a lifestyle. And if it's not for you, then that's okay. But yeah, I don't, I honestly, I wish I knew. Um, different people have different opinions of, you know, I've heard everything from, oh, the you know, the small farms are getting up, eaten up by the big farms. I do think there's a lot of consolidation, um, and that's to each their own of whether you think that's a good or a bad thing. But we have to roll with the way the markets are going and the way that consumerism is happening. So you talked about the idea of needing to be a business person as a farmer and needing to kind of adapt to that and not just being, you know, stuck in the idea of, I know how to feed cows and take care of crops. Uh, where do you kind of see the future as far as uh, farmers that aren't necessarily involved in like co-ops and things like that, as far as branching into other things, whether it's different dairy related products, uh, you know, such as cheese, ice cream, independent creameries or dairy operations? Like, do you think that's been more prevalent lately? Yes, definitely. Um, I actually had started an ice cream business um, on my on my first generation farm before uh my transition and I mean it, it went well but I had also wanted to think outside the box and so if you're a farmer looking at what we call value added whether you're looking you know at if you're looking at cheese and ice cream I just feel like that market is becoming saturated and so I just challenge and encourage people to think outside the box there's other things that you can do with dairy so yeah and I, and it's, I don't know if I would call it an unfortunate part because I mean we, I feel like, are getting to a point where, okay, like the whole purpose of, of starting an ice cream business for my farm was to add another revenue stream because, you know, we didn't want to go through another low milk price year without having some sort of buffer. And it, it did help. Uh, it was just soft serve, so you don't have to go completely crazy. And as a first-generation farmer, I think a lot of people are like, oh, my gosh, how are they doing that? I bought a freaking, um, <laughs> it was an old, like, carnival trailer off of Facebook marketplace for like four grand and I it wasn't anything special um and it took a it took a lot of uh sweat equity to get up and going to pass the Maryland uh health codes but once I got up and running um it proved to be very very successful but again I just ice cream's great and all I mean ice cream's awesome but I just feel like if more and more farmers go that route into the cheese and ice cream, it's just becoming very saturated. So just try to think outside the box. There are other things, like I said, we can do with dairy products. We just just need to do a little bit more research. And with technology these days, I mean, there's got to be some other things we can do. Yeah, and you've given a lot of great insight on a lot of things, whether it's the industry, you know, what you're doing yourself with 
with Hagvocate. Uh, is there anything at all, you know, whether it's industry-related industry or, you know, on your business side that you'd like to, to kind of add to, uh, to this as we kind of close? Not really. I mean, if you're a farmer listening to this and, uh, you know, I, I know milk price right now is actually decent, but the cost of everything else is through the roof know that we still need you and that we appreciate you and you're still needed in this industry. You're still needed, you know, for, for everyone. Um, if you're looking to get started in farming or even start your own business or maybe make a huge change, I don't know, maybe you're leaving the farm. Maybe you want to leave a, a corporate job to do something, do it because you're going to regret it if you don't. You know, I always said when I started this, again, my, <laughs> my parents thought I was crazy because I left a, a stable, stable income. You know, I got a paycheck every two weeks and I had health benefits and I am paying for that out of my pocket right now but do it because I knew that if I didn't do it I would always look back and say what if and that's no way to live life and one of my um one of my mantras that I live right now and it's in Spanish it's called it's una vida which in Spanish means one life because we are only given this one life we don't know when it's up you know um to live life to the fullest and, and live your dreams. You might fail and that's okay. And the only thing I, I, I have um, a friend that I actually just talked to the other day and she had recently had a setback in what she was doing. And I said, you can't call it a mistake and you can't call it a failure. You should call it a lesson because we learn whether, again, whether it's a mistake or, or a failure or whatever, you know, to spin it positively, it's a lesson. What did, what did you learn from that? What could I have done better? What can I, you know, improve or make changes to for when I, the next time or whatever endeavor that, that you're looking at. Very insightful. And, you know, a lot of information that you gave us there, Katie, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the farm focus podcast and, and share some of your knowledge and experiences with our listeners. You know what? Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoy the opportunity. If you enjoyed this episode of Farm Focus, please subscribe. More episodes are on the way, and all of our past episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and on Podbean at pfbcast.podbean.com. Thanks for listening.